Pastor Xavier Reese offers this reflection on our new life in Jesus. Stop and think about your life, what a richer life you have now in Christ than you did before Christ. Now maybe as you came to Christ first, it got bad, it got worse, because that happens sometimes. God has to do some spring cleaning before He can lay down the new carpet, you know what I mean? Hang on, don't bail out, man. <laughs> he provides for us, He's made us so much better, the quality of our life. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Call it reflection or reminiscing. It's always good to stop and think about what the Lord has done in our lives. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Deuteronomy as we join Moses reminding the Israelites of the goodness of God and some simple truths for us worth reflecting on. Let's listen. Deuteronomy 32 we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 47. I've just entitled the message simply what it is, the Song of Moses. Now Moses has been preparing the second generation to enter the promised land by proclaiming to them the law that had been given to their fathers at Sinai. Uh, he has been warning them about falling into the very same mistakes and places of their fathers, as well as emphasizing the need of obedience to the covenant that God is making with them here before they enter in. Now Moses is doing all this knowing that he cannot enter in himself because of his disobedience to God. And there at the waters of Meribah, he uh, misrepresented God. He struck the rock rather than speaking to the rock. And so God says he could not enter in. Now Moses sees the people as a loving father, as his own children. And he desires the best for them, even as you and I desire the best for our children. And yet our counsel sometimes and many times is not received. But remember when you were a child and your parents told you? Now the difference is they're Christians now, hopefully your children. And hopefully you are too. And there's a different approach, but there's still that element of sinfulness, is there not? That element of being young and being inexperienced and, and judging everything by the small period of time that you've existed that is always very dangerous. Now what a contrast this song is into the song of Moses that we find in Exodus 15 where uh, God destroyed the Egyptian army at the Red Sea. That was a song of rejoicing, of victory, looking to God. Here we have a song that's really of sorrow because it declares the rebellion and their apostasy as they enter the land. And in view of God's command here of that, God commands Moses to write a song and to teach it to the children of Israel that it may be a witness to God against them when they walk away from him. In verse 19 and 21 of the previous chapter, because in chapter 31 he has prophesied of their future apostasy. And in verse 19 he says, Now therefore, write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. When I have brought them to the land that flows with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled themselves and have grown fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be, when many evils and troubles have come upon them, that this song will testify against them as a witness, for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of their heart and their behavior today. 
even before I have brought them to the land which I swore to give to them. Man, it could be depressing if you didn't have your eyes on God, right? You know, it would be like somebody telling you as a parent that you're spending all this time, all this energy and trying to minister to your child and to your children because you want them to be godly and to receive the best. And, and, and God reveals to you that no matter how much you tell them, no matter how much you teach them, they're going to walk away. Would that be heartbreaking? Incredible. Have you ever noticed how much easier it is to remember something when music's attached to it? <laughs> I mean, we learn songs we don't even try to learn, right? But then try to memorize one verse. Oh, I missed it. I can't get it. But put some music to it instantly. I mean, there's songs in this stupid brain right here that I haven't sang for 20-some years in the world. And the minute that ditty comes on, dee, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm singing it, man. I know every word. Interesting. How can God know all this? Simple. He's God. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the heart of every one of us. The scriptures tell us that he does know the end from the beginning. Now we can get into all kinds of hypothetical questions. Well, if God knows that, then why does he, you know, we can go all the whys. I got a lot of whys for God, but I'm sure when I'm up there, they'll all be answered, so I won't have to ask them. But that's what makes him God. But I know that God acts justly, righteously, and perfect. And whenever it doesn't jive with me and really fit in, I know I'm wrong. I'm missing a factor. I'm missing something. Because God is the epitome of holiness. Have you noticed, as we've gone through the book of Deuteronomy now, that the book of Deuteronomy began with reviewing the rebellion of the children of Israel the first time they came to Kadesh Barnea and they failed to enter the promised land. And now it ends with rebellion that leads to apostasy. Nothing has changed, has it? The book finishes the way it begins. Mm. The Song of Moses is written in a type of courtroom atmosphere. And there are six movements through this section. It's obvious that we cannot cover the entire 47 verses in great detail as we usually do. But we do want to look to some of the key elements here so that the study can be relevant to us and we can extract what really uh, is meant here also for them. And so allow me to read it, and I know it's lengthy, be patient with me, and let me read it, and then we will take one at a time. He says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distilled as the dew, as rain drops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your fathers, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. 
when the Most High divided the inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led them, and there was no foreign God with him. He made him ride in the heights of the earth, that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him to draw honey from the rock and oil from the flint rock, curds from the cattle and milk from the flock with fat of lambs and rams of bread, uh, the breed of Basham and goats with the choice wheat and you drank wine, the blood of the grape. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, you grew thick. You are covered with fat. Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoke him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations. They provoke him to anger. They sacrifice the demons, not to God, to gods that they did not know, the new gods, uh, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock whom begot you, you are unmindful and, and have forgotten the God who fathered you. And when the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols, but I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation, for a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest sheol. It shall consume the earth with uh, her increase and her set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disaster upon them. I will spend my arrows upon them. They shall be wasted with hunger, devoured with pestilence and bitter destructions. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts with uh, the poisons of serpents and the dust. The sword shall destroy them. There shall be terror within for the young man, the virgin, the nursing child with the man of gray hair. I would have said, I will dash them in pieces. I will make a memory of them to cease from among men. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest the adversary should misunderstand, lest they should say, Our hand is high, and it is not the Lord who has done all this. For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this. This, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand? And two, ten thousand put to flight, unless their rock had sold them, and the Lord has surrendered them. For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemy, themselves being judges. For their vine is the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall, their clusters are bitter, their wine is a poison of serpents and the cruel venom of cobras. Is this not laid up in store with me? Sealed up among my treasures. Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand. And the thing is to come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servant. When he sees their power is gone. And there is no one remaining bond or free. 
He will say, Where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifice and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise and help you and be your refuge. Now see that I, even I, am he. There is no God beside me. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver out of my hand. For I lift my hand to heaven and say, As I live forever, if I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrow drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemies. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. Now Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke all the words of the song in the hearing of the people. Moses finished speaking all these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, Set your heart on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of the law, for it is not a futile thing for you because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. Now, lengthy passage. It begins with the opening statement of the prophet, verses 1 through 6. It's a sad song. It's a tragic song. Notice first he calls heaven and earth to bear witness to the words to be spoken, verse 1 and 2. The entire creation bears witness as to who he is, verse 1, heaven and earth. Interesting that many times man does not acknowledge God, but creation acknowledges God all the time. One day, Jesus and his disciples were entering, and his disciples were worshiping, and the Pharisees said, hey, see, tell them to cease. And Jesus says, if they cease, the very rocks would cry out. Creation has no problem identifying its maker and its creator. Man does. The words he speaks are as beneficial to them as the dew and rain that falls on the tender plants and grass. That's God's word. It is there sent from heaven, and it is there to nourish us, even as they. This is not just man's words. This is words from heaven that we possess. They are not here to benefit God. They're here to benefit us, to nourish us. For that reason, we are exhorted to meditate upon the word day and night. Then we shall be prosperous and have good success. Therefore, we are told to study the word, to examine all things, everything else. Is this the only day that you get into the word of God when you come in on Sunday mornings? I hope not. I hope you read. I hope you study. I hope you meditate throughout the week. It will nourish you. It will refresh you. It will cleanse you. It will do so much for you. Notice secondly in verse 3 and 4, he declares the greatness of God. In verse 3, God allows men to be his mouthpiece and proclaim his name. Can you imagine the privilege that we get to be God's representative? I mean, in the United States... Appointed you as the ambassador to England, you would think it quite a privilege, right? You're representing the, the, the entire nation. Well, we represent heaven. We represent the King of kings and Lord of lords. He proclaims his name. Jehovah means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is I am that I am, the becoming one. That's who he proclaims. That's who he represents. And Moses commands their acknowledgement of God's greatness. I think... A lot of that is lacking in, I think, a lot of it is lacking in the church. Acknowledging God's greatness, who he is, what he's done. 
Stop and think of your life, where you are now. Where would you be without Christ? What he did for you, how much he's done, and how much more is he going to do? And how he's done and accomplished the things that he has is just overwhelming. His greatness. Notice in verse 4, Moses attests to God's nature. He is the rock, stable, dependable. This word is used of God throughout the scripture in the Old Testament as well as the New Six times it appears here, verse 15, 18, 30, 31, and 37, as well as here. Two of those times it is used as those gods who are no gods. The contrast is the rock compared to the other gods who are no rocks at all. He is stable. He is dependable. We can call upon him any time. He never failed them. He says, I gave you shoes. They didn't wear out. Your clothes, I fed you. You guys didn't lack anything. And all the promises I gave to you, all has come to pass. The rock. You know, when things are going wrong and you need some support, you need some encouragement, uh, you go to someone who you feel is a rock, right? But even the best of us who are just rocks of rocks, uh, we're nothing but pebbles before God. <laughs> we fall apart one time or another, do we not? His works are perfect in every way, verse 4 says. He doesn't make mistakes. He is just in all his ways, a God of truth without injustice. Now, many times I may look at a situation and say, well, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like it's just. There are some situations in the law where I say, well, I don't know why God would have that. But I'm not God. But he is just. He cannot do wrong. He is righteous and upright. And that's what makes him God. And we are his servants. We are so limited. And yet at times we dare to judge God and to declare a sentence upon him. Some people say, well, you know, I can't believe in a God who allows people to be born retarded children and blind and, and this and that. And, you know, well, wait a minute. You're misinterpreting God's creation. What we see now is not what God intended. What we see now is what has happened as man's rebellion. So if you want to blame anybody for the world's mess, blame man. Not God. Soon, one day, we will see what God intended. A paradise. A millennial kingdom. But right now, we see the product of man. His greed. His lies. Jesus said to Peter, Who do men that I am? He says, I are the Christ, Son of the living God. He went on to say, You are Petro, small stone. But upon this rock, Petra, the gigantic stone, God, that I am the Son of the living God, I will build my church. There it is again, New Testament, rock. Who? God. Notice thirdly, verses 5 and 6. He declares the wickedness of God's people. Verse 5, they have corrupted their relationship to God. Verse 6, they are foolish and unwise to behave in such a way before God. Since he was the source of their existence being their father. Since he was responsible for all they were. But isn't that the way sometimes we as parents do to our children? We say, what is the matter with him? Is he have brain damage or what? I'm his father. I want the best for him. So we can identify, can't we? You see this opening statement here. Calls the heavenly court in order. Declares the greatness of God and declares the wickedness of man. The stage is set for the trial. This is the opening statement of the prophet. He moves on to give us the evidence presented by the prophet, verse 7 through 18. 
First, verse 7 through 14, God's goodness and faithfulness in the past was to be remembered. Oh, what a lesson for us. Very simple principle. Remember what God has done for you, his faithfulness in the past. Because there'll be difficult times ahead. Okay? Things aren't always going to be as good as they are right now if they're good. You've got to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Verse 7, he had the fathers and the elders, which they could resort to as his witnesses. Past generations. You have parents who are Christians, ask them about God's faithfulness. Uncles, friends. He chose them of all the people of the earth as his inheritance. Verse 8 and 9 says, Amos the prophet was prophesying to the wicked Israel, and he said this, You only have I known in all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you. To much is given, much is required. You only of all the families of the earth have I known, and because of this I will punish you. Mm. Notice in verse 10, he delivered them from Egypt and instructed them at Sinai. They became the apple or the pupil of his eye, tender and under his protection. You know, anytime somebody goes like this to your eye, you, you protect it, right? It's very tender, it's, it's sensitive, it's, you know, you protect it. He says, you are, the, you are the pupil of my eye. You're under my protection. I'm very gentle with you. Verse 11, he cared for them as a mother eagle, gently weaning her young and teaching them to fly. What a beautiful picture. You know, you, you have these eagles uh, and, and they make their, their nests on, on big precipice so that there's a long distance down. And when the little eaglets begin to become fat birds like some of our children, she begins to kick them out of the nest. Now I say that because fat birds don't fly far. They come back home all the time, okay? But anyway, she's kicking them out of the nest, and all of a sudden, the little eaglet's saying, Mom, what are you doing? And that sucker just takes off, flapping its wing, going down, and the mom comes, boom, picks him up on his wings, and the little eaglet says, Oh, thank you, Mom, and boom, she throws him out again. What are you doing? <laughs> Pretty soon, the little eaglet flies. Is the mother trying to kill him? No. She knows she must stretch the little eaglet or they will never survive. God has ways of stretching you and myself that you have no idea about. And believe me, you can be stretched. You will not tear. We cry and yell like, oh. You remember your dad used to whip you? Give you a beating? And you start running around, you start yelling loud, so hopefully you quit? Well, he caught on, huh? He didn't quit, huh? He took you beyond the, the anger stage to the repentance stage where you said, I won't ever do this again. God is, is like that eagle, caring for us. We don't understand, but he does. In verse 12, he led them without the help of any other God. He alone, in purity, he alone they were to look up to. And in verse 13 to 14, he provided for them everything. He speaks about riding high on the heights of the earth. In other words, they were exalted. They, they ate the produce of the land. They, they had honey from the rock. They had the curd and the milk and the lamb and goat. Everything. Stop and think about your life. What a richer life you have now in Christ than you did before Christ. Now maybe as you came to Christ first, it got bad. It got worse because that happens sometimes. God has to do some spring cleaning before he can lay down the new carpet. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but hang on. Hang on. Don't bail out, man. 
You, you'll like the pictures he puts up on the walls. He takes those dirty pictures off. He puts nice, clean pictures up. Uh, he cleans out that closet that smells like, you know, 10 bodies are in there. And, and you're standing in front of it. And he says, what do you got in there, X? And you go, oh, oh, nothing. Why don't you go look down there, Lord? Let me keep this one. No, he needs to clean it out. He provides for us. He's made us so much better. The quality of our life. Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the ongoing work of the Lord in the life of the believer. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study from the book of Deuteronomy titled The Song of Moses. It's available on CD for just $4. And this is one message you'll want to pass along to your brothers and sisters in the Lord. The title to ask for once again is The Song of Moses, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And we appreciate it when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Now, next time we're together, Pastor Xavier Reese describes the most incredible Christmas gift ever. That's right here on the next holiday edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 